Are you glad to be here today? It's good to be together and worship together. So we're in the middle of this Pray For series. Every January, our church um, focuses on prayer and fasting. And, and one of the goals, obviously, as a, as a preacher, you hope that when you're speaking God's word, and it's not about me, it's not about what I can do, but you hope that as you preach God's word that people um, experience it and, and interact with it and hear from God. And, and so this series, you know, every January, our goal is that we would increase our prayer life. And, and I just want to say, like, I, I think that's happening in the church. I think at 7.30 last night, more people than ever in Cincinnati were praying. <laughs> Am I right about that? And that's probably a direct correlation to the Bengals playing. But, but we're in Pray For series. We're not praying for the Bengals. You can if you want. That's not what we're talking about today. Um, today we're, we're talking about who we're supposed to pray for, who we're called to pray for. Scripture gives us some clear directives. And, and today we're going to talk about praying for our leaders. We just prayed for our leaders. We're going to talk about praying for all people. As, as I got into God's Word, it, it doesn't just say to pray for our leaders. It says pray for all people. And so I just want to remind you real quick kind of where we've come from. Our first week, we talked about praying for ourselves. And the idea behind praying for ourselves is that God often chooses to answer our prayers by using us. And so we pray that we would be ministers of reconciliation. And then we pray for our loved ones, that they would know God. We prayed for those in need. And we, we heard last week that we are all connected in the body of Christ, that we're to pray together with and for each other. And today, we're talking about praying for all people, specifically praying for our leaders. So we're going to be in 1 Timothy Today, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. Timothy was Paul's protege, and, and they were um, working together, doing ministry together, and they had gone through Ephesus and, and been a part of that work in Ephesus. And so, at this point, Paul has moved on on his journey, and Timothy, kind of the younger leader taking over, is leading the church at Ephesus. And so, Paul is writing back to Timothy to help him and instruct him on how he can lead well. Timothy's leading um, the church there, and there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of issues going on. There have been false teachers that have raised up, people that are leading people astray, things that things aren't going perfectly in the church. And so, so Paul writes back to help Timothy know how he can lead well. We're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 6. So everyone, I know you just sat down, but stand with me for just a minute. And we're going to read through this. I'll read it, and you can follow along on the screen or on your phone or Bible, whatever you have out. Starting in verse 1, it says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You can have a seat. We're going to work through this together. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. So Paul is writing back to Timothy, trying to help him lead well. And, and he starts with these words, I urge you then. Oftentimes we skip right over words like then. But the word then or therefore in other translations means that it's tied to something that's said before. 
And specifically, this is referring back to what Paul has talked about earlier in the letter at the end of chapter 1. And that says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Listen to this part. So that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. So, so Paul says, I urge you, therefore, or I urge you then, as in because I want you to fight the battle well, I want you to hold on to your faith, and I want you to live in good conscience, therefore, I urge you, I urge you first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is all about Timothy leading the right way, being faithful to God, keeping his faith, and not straying, not, it says earlier, those who have departed from the faith, whose faith has been shipwrecked, who, who don't have a clean conscience. That's what this is. So, so that's what we're going to, that's the basis for what we're reading in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. And last week, do you guys remember the three C's from last week? Anyone remember them? Come on, where's my superstar listeners? What were the three C's? Consistency, that's good. Connected, that's good. And confession, those are our three C's. This week, guess what? I've got three P's. I feel like I'm like one step away from being that, that old pastor that just uses alliteration for everything. Like, I'm gonna be that guy soon. Now, I promise this, this, I don't promise, but this will be one of the last times that I do this. But as I was reading God's word, three things stuck out to me. And that's the three P's. Number one, Paul is calling Timothy and the church and us to a practice, that's prayer, that's not one of the P's, for the practice of prayer. And then he talks about what it will produce in Timothy's life and in the life of the church. And then he talks about the purpose for why he's called to pray. So let's work through that. The first thing is the practice. Paul says, first of all, I urge you to pray. I urge you that all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. So his first command, I urge you to pray. I, I think sometimes in the church, prayer is kind of an afterthought in our lives. Prayer should be first. It's, it's foundational. We are called to pray. One of our core values here at the church is that we pray first. That means before we make a decision, before we act, before we do anything, we should pray, we should go to God, we should be connected and hearing from God because prayer is a foundation for our worship, for our lives, for our faith. Prayer is a foundation. It's not an afterthought. It's not a response. It can be a response. But first and foremost, prayer is a foundation so he says, first of all, and, and we're not just talking about that it's the first thing we, we should do, but that it's the foundation of everything we do. Pray. I urge you, therefore, so that you can fight the battle well, so that you can keep your faith, so you can live in good conscience, to pray. And, and so prayer prepares us to live the life of faith. 
A couple weeks ago, I, I know I've talked about this, we had the opportunity to go down to Dallas and go to the UC football game. And so Charlie and Bobby and I got in the car and we made the 14, 15 hour drive down to Texas. The first day, we made it to Memphis. And the first day, everything went smooth. But I've got a few confessions. Last week, the third C was what? Confession. So I'm going to keep in that theme and I'm going to confess a, th- a few things to you. So I, I want to apologize to all the manly men of the church for a second, because I am not one of those guys that takes perfect care of my car. Like if something is wrong, I'm not always the one that's getting out there and fixing it. I know some of you, that's like the cardinal sin, that's like the cardinal thing of manhood, but we got in the car and we drove down to Dallas, we stopped in Memphis, everything was going great, we got up the next morning, and and the drive from Memphis to Little Rock was awful. It was pouring rain. There were, there were tornado watches all around. It's pouring rain. The wind is blowing. I mean, it was like the conditions were terrible, and I quickly realized my wipers needed changed. And I'm telling you, there were some moments on this journey that were pretty tense. There were some moments that I could barely see anything in front of me. It's important that you take care of your car. I'm, t- I'm talking to myself, not you all. And so I wasn't prepared for the journey. My wipers were messed up. So we went to the game and we left at about seven o'clock that night. And the first, one of the first things we did is we went and we stopped at Walmart and we got new wiper blades and I put them on the car because it was calling for rain all night that night, all day the next day. And I didn't want to go through another 14, 15 hour journey unprepared. I put those wiper blades on, I was a new person. All of a sudden, like, I could actually see. I could actually see where I was going. It was great. And the journey was so much easier. So we talk about prayer as a foundation. Prayer prepares our hearts to live the life that God's called us to. And if we're not praying, if we're not setting the practice of prayer as a foundation for our faith, it's like driving through the rain with bad wipers. You're not going to be ready. And so it's a foundation. And, and I want to I move a little bit further in this. How many of you know that people can be difficult to deal with? Oh, you're pointing at people. That's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. How many? Okay. I, I won't, we won't go there. How, I mean, people can be, di- one of the things we're called to do is love God and to love the people around us, right? If we're going to prepare our hearts to love God and love the people around us, we need to be in prayer. It's hard sometimes to be Christ-like and love the people around us. But listen to me, if we can learn to pray for others, we will learn to love others the way God calls us to. Prayer is the foundation. It's a foundation for worship. So Paul continues on. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, listen, Paul could have very easily said, I urge you to pray for all people. I urge you to pray for all people. That would have covered it, right? But I think when, when we see something like this, we need to be alert to it. Paul does more than just say, in general, you need to pray for all people. Paul specifically calls out that we should do petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving should be made for all people. 
There are specific ways we are called to pray for all people, for the people around us. It's not just a general, like, hey, pray for them. But Paul says you should petition God. You should ask for things. We should ask God to do things in people's lives. Prayers, that's more of a general thought that we're praying for people. Intercession, that we are representing those people the way that Jesus represents us to the Father. We are representing them, interceding on their behalf. And then this is probably the toughest one, thanksgiving. Sometimes it can be hard to be thankful for other people. Nod your head if you agree. Paul says we should pray in thanksgiving for other people. One of the things I studied, I thought this was so good this week. One of the things I studied pointed out that there's one kind of prayer that, that Paul doesn't tell Timothy to do. And that's a, it's, it's a prayer, this is a big churchy or biblical word, so I'm sorry, I'll explain it, but imprecatory prayers. That's, that's like from the Psalms, there's imprecatory Psalms, and those are the ones that are like calling down God's wrath on other people. Paul doesn't say like petition, intercession, all of that, and then pray that God would smite them. That's the better word, smite. How often do you pray that way? Do you pray that way? He doesn't say we should pray that others would be, is it smote? Smote, smited. <laughs> he, he says we should pray, listen, we should pray for others, not against others. So, so what others should we pray for? Petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. We are to pray for all people. Now let me explain that a little bit further. I'll save you a little bit of time. This doesn't mean that you need 8 billion people on your prayer list. Paul is not saying you have to pray for every single person that you can think of. I think what Paul's saying here is that that we are called that nobody is outside of our prayer, that nobody is off limits for us to pray for. We should pray for all people. We tend to be kind of selective in who we pray for, don't we? I'll just tell you, like... I have kind of patterns. Every Sunday morning in my office before first service, I pray for all of my pastor friends. Every night before I go to bed, I I pray for the people that are hurting and need those that are sick. And I kind of have specific people that I pray for a lot. What Paul is saying is there's nobody that's off limits in our prayer. I want to take this a step further. If Jesus died for all people, then we should pray for all people. There is not a single person walking the face of the earth that Jesus did not die for. Do do you believe that? That that there is not a single person that is outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. There's nobody that's outside of God's love and grace. Jesus died for all people. So we are called to pray for all people. He goes on and he gets kind of specific. He prays for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Paul specifically says pray for all people, but pray for kings and for those in authority. 
You may have thought earlier as we were praying, like, it's kind of strange that we're praying for the governor or for, for Supreme Court justice or whatever. Like, why, why would we need to pray for kings and authorities? I mean, they're kind of up here and we're kind of down here. Like, what's the point there? Let, let me tell you a few reasons why I think we should pray for kings and authorities. Why, not I think, why, why we are supposed to, by God's word, pray for kings and authorities. Number one, God cares about them. I just said it. If Jesus died for all people, we should pray for all people. I believe that Jesus died for every single person that is in authority in our country, in our city, in our world. Jesus died for every single one of them. God loves and cares for every single one of them the same way that God cares for me. So number one, God cares about them. Number two, God can change the hearts of those in authority. I, th I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking that people are too far gone, that, and especially when we think of people in authority, especially people we don't agree with. Maybe we think like there's no way that anything can change, so what's the point? Listen, God changes hearts, not just of people that walk into churches. In Scripture, we see several times where God changes the heart of a person in authority. Paul himself was in a position of authority. He was persecuting the church, and God showed up and changed his heart. So we pray for kings and authorities because, number one, God cares about them. Number two, God can change their hearts. Number three, if, if, if Paul says we should pray for all people, then I think it's pretty important that we pray for our leaders because our leaders have what? They have influence, they have influence on people. They create conditions. And, and listen, I'm not saying that God can't work apart from the conditions created, but I'm saying if we want to pray for all people, one of the best ways for God to work is through people in authority, people with influence. And so we pray because they have influence. And number four, we pray because God can use even a king or a president or a governor or a a Supreme Court justice, even somebody who is against God's will, we see in Scripture that God can take them and use them for His purposes, even if their heart is far away. So we, um, we should pray for all people, for kings, for those in authority. And maybe some of you are sitting here thinking, not our government, not those leaders, they're too far gone. They're against God's plan. They don't qualify. Do you, Paul is writing this, and he's not necessarily talking about the President of the United States of America or the Supreme Court justice. You know who Paul's talking about right here? I mean, it includes them. Paul's talking about the Roman authorities. You know what the Roman authorities did? They threw Paul in jail multiple times. Do you know why they threw him in jail? because he was preaching the gospel. These authorities that he's saying we should pray for are literally against him, throwing him in jail, and he says we should still pray for all people, for kings, for those in authority. Nobody is outside the scope of God's love and God's grace. Pray for all people, for kings and those authorities. So the practice is prayer. The second thing is the product. He says, or what it produces in our life. Prayers be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. The practice of prayer produces something 
in our hearts. So, so let me do another confession here. I'm sorry that I confess. I'm sorry I'm not perfect. I wish I was. That would be really fun. I went to the UC game the other night, the basketball game. It was Thursday night, 9 p.m., and uh, I, know I, I know I take Charlie to every game. It's because he wants to go to every game. And I offered my kids, and they all said, we don't want to take a nap because it's a 9 o'clock game. Charlie said, I'm in. So I took Charlie to the game, and, and down at UC, they, they uh, require you to wear masks at the game, which I'm fine with. I've got no issue with. I can wear a mask. And, and so I walk into the game, and I've got a mask on, and we're doing what's right, and I'm walking up the stairs to the second level where my seats are, and I took my mask off for just one second, and they have these people walking around with these signs that say, please wear your mask. You are required to wear a mask. And so there's this lady walking by, and she sees me take this mask off for just a second, and she says, sir, you have to wear that the whole time. You guys know how I'm feeling at this point, right? Meanwhile, three people walk right by her, not even trying to wear a mask, and she ignores it completely. But me, who took my mask off for a second, she makes it a point, how do you think I was feeling? I'm gonna admit to you I'm not perfect. And I said, ma'am, are you asking me to wear a mask or are you asking all of us to wear a mask? And she said, I'm asking all of us. And I said, well, how about all these people that are walking right past you that you're ignoring? Why are you singling me out? And we, listen, we didn't fight. We didn't, like, punches weren't thrown. I would lose that fight. Like, but, but I walked away from that encounter, and I immediately felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because that's not who I'm called to be. I mean, whether she was in the right or wrong... I'm not called to be a person that stirs up trouble for no reason. I mean, we're talking about someone telling me to wear a mask. Who cares? I thought about this. What if she would have said, sir, what do you do for a living? What would I have said? I'm a pastor. That's just not who I'm called to be. I confess to you that, that in that moment, my heart was not prepared in the right way and so when I encountered that moment, I did not live as a peaceful, loving, godly, holy person in the way I dealt with her. And I walked back and I, I mean, I, I, I knew I had blown it. Paul says, practice prayer, pray for all people, because prayer will prepare you to live your life of faith, to deal with other people, and had I prayed before that, I guarantee you I would have handled that situation differently. You know this, right? If you're praying, you're going to be in a different headspace than if you're not. We are to pray for all people, and I want you to hear this very, because I think sometimes we... We don't really believe this, but your prayer life will affect the way you live your life, 100%. We sometimes think of prayer as a side thing and afterthought. The way you pray, the amount you pray, the heart of prayer will affect the way you live your life. I see it all the time in my life. If I start my day with prayer, my day goes drastically differently than if I don't if I'm thinking of other things. In, in sports, they have, a, they have these thing, people called sports psychologists, and when I was in high school in basketball, they, they would tell us about the importance of preparing ourselves for the moment that we would be in later. 
And so there was this really specific thing. They said, when you shoot free throws, that's one of the most um, intense, most pressure-filled times. So when you shoot free throws, you should visualize before you even get to the free throw line, you should visualize yourself making those big shots. Last night, there's a story going around, a really cool story. The Bengals have a rookie kicker named McPherson. And at the end of the game, it was 16-16, and he was going out to kick a 52-yard field goal, and he turned, this is the story going around, he turned to Joe Burrow and he said, well, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship, because he had already visualized it, he already knew that kick was going to go in. That's what we do in prayer, we prepare ourselves so we know, so that we're in the right place to react. All right, here's the other side of it. I was in high school, I told you, you're supposed to visualize it going in. You're supposed to focus on making the shots. I, high school, we go into, um, I broke my finger on Christmas break, and we had a game that day, and then the next day we played our biggest rivals in their gym. There, there are people there watching me play our biggest rivals in a packed gym, and I, I had a broken finger. It was taped to this other finger. It hurt. It didn't feel good. There was pressure, and I got fouled, and I went to the free throw line. And I got up to that line, and let me tell you what I was thinking. Man, my finger hurts. Man, there's a lot of people watching me. Man, this is a close game. And you know what I did? I airballed my free throw. The only time I airballed a free throw in high school. And it was because I was not focused, I was not prepared. Our, our, our faith works the same way. Prayer is a foundation. The practice of prayer gets us in the right place so that we can live the right way. So, so I want to just say this. This goes along with, with what I was saying about the way we deal with people. This is just a simple thing I want you to hear. This is important. If your complaints against other people outweigh your prayers for other people, you will struggle to love them. I want you to hear that again because we're really good at complaining about people. We need to be better at praying for people. If your complaints against other people outweigh your prayers for them, you will struggle to love. So the practice is to pray for all people, kings and those in authority, that what it produces in you is a peaceful, holy life. If you will set that foundation of prayer, God will work and you will live a peaceful, holy, godly life. The next part is the purpose. Why do we pray? Verse three says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. The practice that Paul says is you need to pray for all people. What it produces in our life is it produces holy character, um, loving character. The reason, the purpose is because God loves all people and wants to restore, wants all people to know his truth. That's why we pray. Listen, if we want to affect change in the world around us, we should pray. That's not, that's not a, an excuse to not serve and love and, and do as well, but prayer is the foundation. And God works through prayer. I, I got to share this. After first service, I finished preaching and I walked off the platform and somebody from our church came up to me and she started crying. And she said, I just want to give you a testimony of what God's done. I have somebody in my family that for 14 years has not spoken to anybody in the family. 
And I've tried, and about six years ago, I gave up. I said, it, it's, it's, I, I said I'm done, this is my last chance, but, but through prayer, through hearing God's word, she was prompted to reach out. And after 14 years, her loved one responded, and they got together, and the reconciliation began to happen. That happened through prayer. God chooses to work through us as we pray and are aligned to his purposes. Listen, I want you, I share that story because I want you to know God is at work. You're not just talking to a wall. You're not just talking to to air. God hears our prayers and God wants all people to come to know his truth. So the kings and authorities, God wants them to know the truth. Your friends and your family, the people around you, God wants them to know him. We need to align our hearts. Praying for others will tune our hearts to God's heart. It will get us on mission. If God's purpose is to bring all people to know him, prayer sets the foundation for us to be in line with his mission. The second thing that we see here. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Number one, it, it tunes our hearts. When we pray, it helps us be on mission with God. But, but here's, a, here's a huge reason we need to pray. Because the only hope for our world, the only hope for your neighbors, the only hope for our kings and authorities is the power of God that was at work through Jesus Christ on the cross. We can get the sharpest, smoothest talking politician with the biggest brain and the best skills and business knowledge and it can't save us. We, we can get the best pastors and leaders and any of that stuff, guess what? It's God that saves. And so we pray because we have one hope and that's Jesus Christ, the power of God. And so I want to go back to week one and remind you that you are ambassadors for Christ. You are called to be ministers of reconciliation. You are called to have a part in this. It starts with a foundation of prayer that will produce godliness and holiness in your life and will lead to the accomplishing of God's purposes, which is for all to know Him Please don't think that prayer is a a side thing. Please don't think that prayer is something we do in January and then we stop. Like, God works through prayer. So I want to challenge you to do something simple. We're going to respond. We've talked about praying for all people. We've heard Paul's, you know, urging us to pray for all people, for kings and authorities, that, that that would produce holy character, that we would be who God calls us to be. I want you to take one of these papers. They should be in the chairs in front of you. If you don't have one in the chair in front of you, point to someone else and they'll give you one. Come on, let's help each other out. Go ahead and grab one. There's also pens. Grab a pen as well. We're going to respond to God's word today by writing out prayers. And, and this isn't something that you have to worry about someone else reading. Like this is, I want you to respond the way that God is speaking to your heart. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to write out your prayer. Paul says, pray for all people. 
Pray for the kings and those in authority. I want you to pray, write out a prayer for those, all people, kings and those in authority. And then I want you to think about, I mean, I confess to you the time that I fell short, one of the times I fell short. I, I want you to think about what God is working in you and put that as a part of your prayer. And I want you to respond. When you're done writing out your prayer, I want you to bring them down. We're going to continue to build our prayer wall back here. And as you come forward, there's a card here that, on the altar that I want you to grab. And this is another way that we're going to respond after this song. We'll tell you a little more about it. But grab one of these cards that says Canopy of Prayer. And we'll talk a little bit about it in a minute. But I want you to spend some time and write out your prayer as we sing and we worship about God building his kingdom. Father, we love you. I thank you that you love all people. People. I thank you, Lord, that there are people that prayed for me before I was even born. I thank you that because you love all people and you died for all people, I'm here. Every person in here is here because of your love and your grace, and there is nobody in our world that's outside of your love and grace. And so I pray, Lord, that we would, we would be praying for all people. I pray that you would lead us and prompt our hearts right now as we write out our prayers, and I pray that we would respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.